See how many people are here, too. Hello. Episode 37. 37. I'm 37? It should have been episode 50. Well, well, all right, but it didn't work out that way. We should have done an extra 13 episodes and timed this better. I, you know what? I, all right, let's get in our time machine. Let's go backwards. Let's go back to 2019 before I even had a podcast podcast, do 13 extra episodes. <laughs> then we can fast forward. And then this is number 50. So this is honorary number 50. There's only one person watching anyway. Nobody gives a shit. So, which is sad because that's what, what always happens. It starts with like three or four people and then it goes down to zero and then it goes back up to 10 and then it goes to four. Why does that happen? Why do all you people leave and then come but just stay? Whoops. Hey. Oh, I heard me. Yep, and I'm you. trying to I'm trying to share it and sharing is caring. Mm. Mm. All I, right, we're back. I fixed we're... it. Okay, that's good. I'm proud of you. Um all right, Mark Garding's here, of course, and which is awesome. And uh, he actually left work an hour early so he could watch this today on his 65 inch tv so he could see everything that's in the box set wow how about this mark can you see my head (laughs) that's that's 30 (laughs) inches of skull right there (laughs) so uh, if anybody is watching and if you're not watching if you're listening i apologize in advance i i have a fever i don't feel very good at all i have swollen glands and swollen tonsils and an appointment first thing in the morning to get that taken care of but what Nick and I had to go through to get these boxes around <laughs> the country and get uh, ourselves around the country too. Exactly. So, well, we got three people now, so I think it's just about time to play the intro. So how about we do that? Let's do it. Cover to covered is a podcast that features two idiots talking about music at length. And occasionally a dog does make an appearance. There will also be special guests from time to time that will show up and they will be smarter than the hosts. And the hosts will give their opinions. By the way, they are exactly that. Opinions. They are not truths. They are not fallacies. And they do not reflect the views or opinions of their employers or those they employ. So with that, just enjoy the damn show. All right, so let's start right off by saying, is this episode 37 or 36? Because the intro said 36. I didn't change it. I messed that up, but it's 37. (laughs) Okay. It's definitely 37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks in a row. (laughs) All power to clerks and Kevin Smith, who is one of my heroes. So, Um, so I'm honored that my picture with Paul Reed Smith made it into the intro. You were like, hey... This needs to be part of the intro. So I, you know, ye, ye, ask and ye shall receive. So thank you. And for those of you that are here, welcome to the show. My name is Sick as Fuck Mike. That's Nick Morocco. Nick, what store do you own? Rock City Music Company. And where are you located? Five Mile in Farmington in Livonia, Michigan. 
And where can we find you? Rockcitymusicco.com. And where were you the past couple of days? Uh, Stevensville, Maryland. And why? I was invited uh, as part of the uh, dealer summit at the Paul Reed Smith Guitars Factory. Nice. And that was fun? It was very fun. It was actually pretty pretty amazing. Uh, a lot of people like Mike, who have been in this industry for a long time, have uh, participated in a lot of factory tours and, and uh, get-togethers like that, but that was my first one. So um, it was totally eyes wide taking it all in and uh the prs people are just fantastic so just amazing hosts and uh what they do in their guitar facility is just outstanding and uh it was it was just an honor to be there and and to be able to shake hands with with the man himself and get a couple minutes to to talk was was really cool paul is crazy but he is smart as a whip so that's they, awesome that you had that experience. I'm very happy for you. Here's a here's a story everybody will will I think find funny. Uh, they had a very strict uh, no photos, no video policy when they were doing their presentation because uh, they were showing some product that are just in the prototype stage. And and uh, for those that aren't in the industry, that's pretty standard. They don't want that stuff getting out before yep. it's completed. And uh, Paul addressed the crowd and he said okay we're going to show you this stuff it's very strict no photos no video he said if i see you or your store post one of these things i will fly there and i will kill you and everybody started laughing and he said i'm not laughing yeah paul is uh <laughs> paul can be intense at times paul smith is definitely intense uh but they make some great electric guitars. They are what I would consider to be at the forefront of guitar porn. They make some of the best looking guitars on the planet. Yes. Um, so again, I've had a few over the course of my, my lifetime. I've had three or four and they've all been great and I've sold them all, but they've all been great. <laughs> And so. what the and what they go through to to bring those guitars to stores and to consumers is just uh, it's it's a fascinating and yep. and pretty jaw dropping process. Now that's awesome, man. Well, welcome back. I'm glad you made it back in one piece. And uh, so today, just to kind of lay the groundwork, today we are celebrating 50 years of one of the most, if not the most, uh, influential classic slash prog rock albums of all time from one of the greatest classic slash prog rock bands of all time and that's right it is the 50th anniversary of brain salad surgery by emerson lake and palmer no box set for that no but they did reissue it uh on like i think a picture disc and it's yeah, coming out on like record store day 50th time yeah exactly so i mean we're one um, to talk the thing we're going to talk about has probably been reissued five thousand times but it doesn't matter and we'll get into a little bit of that because there's different reissues of this particular album and some are better than others and we're gonna do a live unboxing of pink floyd's dark side of the moon 50th anniversary box set which is Oh, Jesus, right here. Now, this thing weighs 15 pounds. So I think the only other box that I have that weighs more than that might be the Black Album by Metallica. Yeah, that had like 10 records in it, right? 11. Okay. 11. So this one, though, has a book that's like the size of like War and Peace in it that I think is <laughs> adding, some, adding some heft. And as you notice, 
Nick and I have not taken this out of the shrink wrap yet. Nick cut his shrink wrap, but I have not cut mine. So we're going to do this together. But first, a couple of things. First off, hi, everybody. Um, second off, getting this thing here was like, it was crazy. Like, I was resigned to just saying, screw it, Nick's going to show it. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about it. But Nick said, dude, I can next day you this thing. I'm like, but that's going to cost a small fortune. And it did. I was uh, going to say, and, it, and it, that was correct. Yeah, it was like 45% of the price <laughs> of the box set. Uh, but at the same time, it's here. We both can go. You know, I think what we're going to do is we're going to go back and forth. I'll do one thing, you do one thing. I'll do one thing, you do one thing. Um, but before we get there, of course, we have some other segments that we talk about at the top. Uh, I'm afraid to ask, what have you been listening to? <laughs> um, you know what? It, in preparation for this, and I also, for those that follow Rock City, um, I did a Knicks Picks on this record, which is just I, I, I put together a blog about my personal experience with whatever title I'm talking about. I haven't done one in, in a year and a half, but it seemed right to do one for this amazing record. So I did one on that. And uh, so I listened to it a couple times earlier this week. Uh, also still doing the Paul McCartney thing, working through the lyrics book. And uh, what did I play a bunch of last week? Oh, a bunch of ACDC, because uh, oh. I think I talked a couple weeks ago about uh, listening to the Brian Johnson book, and I'm just about finished with that. So um, awesome. got me in the ACDC mood. How about you? This is kind of funny. So I was on the road last week for work, and for some reason I said, you know what? I want to listen to Collective Soul. And I did a lot and I forgot how good they were, at least the hits, you know, at least like the singles from the album were actually really good songs. And unfortunately at the time they came out, my mind was elsewhere. It was very grunge and metal and they kind of got pigeonholed into the grunge thing uh, because they had like distorted drop D, you know, or actually drop D uh, drop C sharp. But uh, you know, the, Ed Rowland could write a good song and he was able, you know, he had a good ear because he was an engineer for eight years at a studio. And when shine came out, that was like the single. Right. And I think the story goes something like they presented it. Um, I think they presented it as a demo, uh, cause they had released it on like an independent label. And so major labels like, yep, yeah, we'll take it. Well, we, we want to re-record it. Nope. Just leave it. There you <laughs> and, go. You know, it's done with the, I believe it's done with the drum machine. I don't think it's real drums, but, um, but it's very barren and sparse and it sounds great still. Um, so yeah, I encourage everybody just go back and listen to, you know, I don't know if I would go for the deep cuts on some of their albums, but if you go to like, you know, Apple music and look at the, you know, collective soul, like playlist, it, there's a lot of great songs on there that you forgot about, you know? And you hear all the time in commercials and TV and movies and what have you. And there's a reason for it because they were good songs. So that's what I've been listening to a lot of is that. That was totally left field. I don't know anything about Collective Soul other than the, you know, the big radio hits. Yeah, but the thing is, that's kind of all you need because there are a lot more of them than you realize. Like you can do a, you know, 45 minute playlist of just their hits. Uh-huh. And like, oh, all right, cool. So anyway, so that's what I've been listening to. Now, we obviously know that Dark Side of the Moon 50th anniversary is coming out tomorrow. But what else is coming out tomorrow? 
that anybody uh, should care about. <laughs> yeah, right. Mostly this, but um, because all your money is going to go to this because it's like three hundred bucks for the box set. Yes. Uh, but uh, uh, shameless plug here, it will be on sale tomorrow at Rock City Music Company in oh, celebration of, of the release of the 50th anniversary. Um, Mark Harding is well, right. Dolly Parton did cover Shine by Collective Soul. Really? Yep. True story. Makes sense. Um, what else is coming out? So one big thing that I know a lot of people have been excited about is they are bringing back the entire Bob Marley catalog um, pressed at Tough Gong in Jamaica. The records come of, they're, they're cut from the original master tapes, supposedly, and um, they're all numbered. Jackets are all numbered, and these are the original mixes for Catch a Fire, uh, Burning, and Natty Dread, which, if you're familiar with Marley's catalog, all those records when he was, when he started blowing up, when those records came out in the U.S. and in the U.K., they put set a couple session guys on it for like guitar solos and such, which I've always thought elevate some of those tunes because um, you got a guy just you know, no, I don't want to say shredding because it's not like that, but like yeah. di different approach than reggae guitar playing, and I think it adds a different element to it. But these are the original albums as they were originally released by Bob Marley and the Whalers. So a lot of people have been excited about that, and they're doing the whole catalog from. Um, I think from Catch a Fire all the way through to, um, I'm sorry, I can't, Confrontation. I think that's the last one that came out right after he passed away. So the whole bulk of the catalog, which includes Exodus and uh, Kaya and Bob Marley Live, all of them are coming out. Like I said, numbered jackets. They look good. I saw them today when the box showed up, and uh, they look good. And from what I've heard, they sound good, but I haven't played one myself. So that's coming out. And also, hang on, I'm trying to get to my notes here. I've got so many Pink Floyd <laughs> invoices that I'm trying to get to the one. Okay. Uh, being reissued, the three major Celtic Frost records, or Celtic Frost, Celtic if you prefer. Frost. Uh on Morbid Tales, and uh, Into Crips Array. Uh, haven't been out in a while. Those are back. And... Elton John Honky Chateau, 50th Anniversary Edition. That is what we're actually going to talk about today, is Honky Chateau and <laughs> brain salad surgery. The hell with this dark side of the moon thing. Let's celebrate everybody's 50th. Mine was there, last year. There we go. So I'm, there you go. I'm 18 years away. Yeah, there you go. Shut up. Um, so, dark side of the moon. Let's get right to this. Dark side of the moon came out in uh, 1973. It was recorded... Uh, in May of 72 and I believe February of 73. Um, and when Nick comes back, I'll actually continue with this. I'm, no, I'm here. I'm, oh, okay. I was putting a chair next to me so I could put the stuff out of the box. And there you go. Set it down. Um, now, initially, the initial, the original name for the album was Dark Side of the Moon, A Peace for Assorted Lunatics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which, when you think about it, that wouldn't have been a bad title. And I don't think it would have sold any less. No. Um, but uh, and it was played originally. They played it in its entirety in February of '72 for critics and a small audience, and everybody loved it. Uh, it wasn't in the same uh, um, format that we hear it now because there was like Bible verses being read and some other things. You know, and they added you know obviously some some great um, engineering effects. Um, but thanks to Alan is, Parsons. Thanks to Alan Parsons, who we are going to pay tribute to, no matter what Roger Waters says. 
Um, and <laughs> it spent 950 non-consecutive weeks on the Billboard 200 charts. And consecutively, I think it was like 786. It was like yeah, it something was, like that. It was like almost 20 years. It was like yeah. 19 years or something crazy like that. So um, it's a very interesting album in the sense that there's no break between songs. Every song segues into the next. Every single one of them. And then you flip the side, it does it again. So it's it really kind of is sort of a concept album. And when you think about it, when you think about Speak to Me, the opening track, it has little pieces like from every song, much like a rock opera a la Tommy or Quadrophenia or something like that. It's so, its overture. Exactly. So it definitely lends itself to that. Um, ten songs, uh, and and of course, uh, you know, Alan Parsons played a big part in the production of this, being the engineering mind. Uh, he was using a lot of uh, Leslie speakers and different flanging effects and things of that nature. He was the one that got all the clocks in time. Uh, Roger Waters did all the coin stuff from like his wife's uh, shop or something like that, and recorded the uh, the, the cash, cash register. register. Yeah. And then they they actually wound that around like twenty feet worth of tape, like in the studio. Like people are holding things that it had. Tension. Yeah, it was going around mic stands and <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff. Things that you know today you could do in about five seconds on Pro Tools, but back then it was it was intense and it was. And that's what makes of, it special. Exactly, it was also one of the first quadraphonic. Uh, mixes too, so where it came out of four different speakers to kind of give you like a early version of surround sound. So, um, so anyway, just breaking down the, the the tracks. Speak to me again. That opens up the album with that heartbeat, and then a little bit from every song. That segues into breathe, uh, which had a lot of. In fact, this whole album has a lot of double track vocals, which wasn't necessarily done it a lot at the time. Again, that was an Alan Parsons influence, uh, from what I understand. Um, on the Run was very early experimentation with synths. In fact, one of the first, in fact, I think it was the first portable synth, the VCS-3, um, which was still like this big. You know, it was still huge. But at the and time, if, synths were like the size of a wall. Yeah. And if, <laughs> if you've seen any of um, the original theatrical release of uh, live at Pink Floyd Live at Pompeii, there's footage of them cutting some of the stuff from this record. They're in the process of working on this record. And there's a moment in that where Roger Waters is fucking around with the synth and you he, you can hear him messing with the ar arpeggiation. And then, boom, he hits that run from on the run. And, he, I, and I th I'm pretty sure it's authentic. I don't think it's staged. So, like, we're the that thing. He hits it, and as soon as it does, you can tell he reacts like, ooh, there it is. That's exactly what I'm looking for, you know? It's it's pretty, pretty amazing to see. Yep. And then that segues into Time, which is one of the bigger hits from the album. Uh, again, excuse me. Uh, again, starting with all the clocks all the clocks dinging and such, and that really ominous, um, the heartbeat speeds up uh, more like a clock than anything else, and that those ominous keyboard tones uh, and gets into a down-and-dirty classic rock tune. Then Great Gig in the Sky, and this one's a weird one. So Great Gig in the Sky was a Rick Wright uh, composition, mainly piano, and then there's a woman singing s syllables, essentially, and just kind of like uh, howling and singing in beautiful uh, beautiful work 
And uh, her, her name was, uh, where is it? Uh, Claire Tory. Thank you, Claire Tory. Now, initially it said it was Rick Wright wrote it. And then in 2004, Claire Tory sued. And every subsequent release says written by Tory and Wright. So she got a lump sum payment and now gets a little credit for everything going forward because of what she did on that. As she should. As she should. Um, because really that's, you know, she made that track. It was a great musical, you know, but she made that track. She brought she brought the emotion to that track. Um, Roger Waters in Money, uh, he, like I said, he like all the cash machine stuff, he recorded that. Money is an interesting song, <coughs> excuse me, starting off side two, um, because it's one of those things, and if you're a musician, this means something, but if you're not, it doesn't. You just like the song. The main riff is in 7-4. So that means for every four beats, there's seven beats that go over the four as so that bum, dun, 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 seven. Uh, and then in the choruses, it goes to 4-4, four, four, which is known as common time. Yeah. And then all the solos are common time. And then it comes right back into 7-4 again. So it's really a, a, an interesting way to write a song and make it very um, kind of pulls you in a bit more so that's one of those things that subliminally is is why that song is is awesome because of that strange shift in time signature um us and them that was the very first song that they actually recorded for the album um and with that very um orchestrated chorus with like 87 voices singing (laughs) along um and then any color you like which i'm sort of like meh it's, it's, it's that nice reset before the, the closing track. Yeah, it's kind of like they said, well, we're not psychedelic enough on this album, so let's do this. And then it segues nicely into Brain Damage and Eclipse, the last two tracks on the album, which is which are by far my favorite. So mm-hmm. um, so that's that's the quick synop- my quick synopsis. What would you like to add on that? I, I mean, you, you pretty much touched on all of it. I think the biggest thing like you described at the beginning is you have to look at this album as a suite. All these songs are connected together. It's not meant to pull tracks from like this album. And I, we've talked about this before on one of the first episodes we did about definitive records in a record collection. And this is number one. one. This is number one in my mind. And it's also I, I talked about my Knicks picks like this to me is is the best representation of vinyl in the sense of how the tracks are laid out, where the break in the record is to flip it and uh, the packaging, of course, the gatefold, uh, one of the most iconic, maybe the most iconic album cover of all time. Yep. Um, you get the goodies in there with the posters and the postcards and the sticker, um, which is replicated here as well i believe it was replicated on the 2016 version as well um but just the whole thing from artwork to lyrics to music to production to layout everything to me is just absolute perfection the the way the record ebbs and flows and uh you know like i was just saying a minute ago about where you flip the record like that that come down from great gig in the sky to running into the dead wax and flipping over to the cash registers and then that off time, that seven, four time riff is it, it's like starting a new, like this is a different part of the story, but still connects with the four things that you heard four or five things you heard before it. So I don't know. I just, I find 
I've probably heard this record, you know, 5,000 times in my life. I don't know how many times actually. Right. And it's like, it's still great every time. Every time. I never find myself going, I don't want to hear that. Like, even with a song like Money, which is on the radio all the time, every day. When I get to that, I never go, I'm going to skip Money. Like, it's part of the whole deal. And uh, I just encourage people. I, I don't know anybody that's not deep into this record already, but if you're not, if you think it's, if you're somebody that's like, oh, I've heard it a million times, I don't own it or whatever, like you go into it as, as it's, you're listening to a full piece because that's how it should be taken in, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, it's just brilliant. You know, that's the, it's, it's like one of those records where you're, you're almost like afraid of it because it's that good. <laughs> And it crosses a lot of genres. They call it prog rock. I call it classic rock. But there's some jazz stuff in there, too, with the saxophones and, you know, and then there's this, you know, the orchestrated vocals and it's almost gospel-esque at times. Mm-hmm. And it, it's got something for everybody. And that's what I think it's it's enduring uh, allure <laughs> is after 50 years. Now, I am not a big Pink Floyd fan. I like select things from Pink Floyd. This you can't not like this album. You just can't. So uh, I think without further ado, I think we should go forward with this unboxing. All right. Let's get into think? it. Yeah, let's All get right. into it. All right. I got to cut this thing open. I While you're doing without. that, I'm going to talk about I want to talk about the hype sticker, because I think that's a very important part of a, of a package like this. Indeed. You see, it's got the iconic triangle there her prism, I should say, the rainbow behind it and everything it includes. So let me just run it down real. Should, do you want me to run it down or should we do just surprise everybody? Let's just surprise everybody with it. Okay. Um, but just know that there is a hype sticker. There is a hype <laughs> sticker and it looks great. And uh, you probably are not going to be able to tell on the camera because I've got a shiny light showing everything off. But the box is like a uh, textured finish and there is a prism cut into the center of the box. Yep. Yep. And that's, again, another added touch that costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time to do, but it was definitely worthy of this of this package. Now, I'm taking this whole thing out of the shrink, and I'm going to save the shrink wrap. That's what I do, um, because you can't open it otherwise. So, And you keep the back stuff, too. Me, too. I put that over there. <laughs> got to yeah. keep the back stuff. So, And this actually tells you everything that's on there and how it's layered in the box, and when you want to put it back the right way, <laughs> <laughs> because you will be opening this multiple times, um all right so and oh patrick middlestad i definitely have to mention this the guitar sound guitar sound and tone of david gilmore is fantastic i mean uh, you know between the univibe and the leslie uh it just you know it's it's just that classic tone that we've all come to know and love from david gilmore and his playing is perfection the guitar solo on time when people ask me like what's your favorite guitar solo ever that's that and stairway to heaven are the two that i always point to and i know they're common tunes but again I, i hate throwing around the word perfection but like David Gilmore specifically is one of those guys where I feel like he just plays exactly what you want him to play in the sense of like when you're in the song, especially that solo in time, the way it builds and it goes up and down. It's like, it's just so good. And the tone it's, I'm glad uh, Pat brought that up. The tone is, is incredible. Yeah. One thing David Gilmore can never be accused of is overplaying. Right. He, He definitely can't be accused of overplaying. He played just the right amount. All right, kids, it's open. There you go. You can see the prism on Mike's yep, better you can see than the mine. Prism on that. 
right? And that's that's laser cutting to the top here. Um, and it's got a lot of padding on the inside of this top, too, to make sure it didn't get injured in shipping when it left the distributors, which is nice. I appreciate that. All right. Nick, go yes. for it. I showed the cover. Okay. <laughs> so it looks like the first thing we come to is uh, a hardcover book. I'm trying to get my camera angle right. Yep. Um, and it's this Pink Floyd, The Dark, Dark Side of the Moon on the side. And what this book contains, let's see. 160 very, pages, by the way. 160 pages and, and very high-quality uh, binding and uh, print, for sure. All kinds of... Uh, Probably unseen photographs is what it looks like, yeah. News clippings. I love stuff like that. The Grateful yeah. Dead are big about putting stuff like that in their boxes. I love reading it because it's always from the time period when this stuff came out. So it's, it's cool to see what people were saying in, in the moment, uh, tour dates. You see that tour dates, tour dates, 72 to 75 full, full run of all the shows that they did. And we'll actually be talking about one of those shows. Yes. We're going to get there. Yep. Great photos in here. Just, yeah, the, this, I, is, this is really cool. I mean, you know, when, when we've done the, you know, when we get Beatles box sets, it's like a 48-page book and some unseen photo. This is pretty awesome. I mean, this is this is legit. And and it shows like all the like all the test drawings that I guess that hypnosis did uh for the inside, you know, yeah. all, the, all the sketches and what have you for what wound up being the, the gatefold of the album. And um this is this is I'm gonna have to spend a lot of time with this either in the bathroom or otherwise. <laughs> Um, one thing to note, I believe it is, it is this book. Um, this book is going to be available separately yes. from the box. Yep. Um, and it, I don't know what the price point is, but it, it's done very, very well. Um, great, great. Uh, what do you call this, Mike? Just like photo paper or like the, yes. it's heavy stock paper and the photos yeah. look amazing. A lot of black and white shots. Um, I don't want to keep showing them cause I don't want to give everything away. I hate watching those videos where you see everything. Cause then you're <laughs> let's like, let's go every page. Let's go through 160 pages, starting with one. I do love this though. This photo of David Gilmore playing pedal well, steel yeah, or lap steel. I can't tell you can't you can't tell if he's got pedals or not, but uh, and those drums Nick Mason has is, are pretty sweet. Well, I, he's also got uh, in another picture I saw it also shows like all the rototoms he has. He yeah. had like a whole kit of like rototoms at the time, and I'm like, really? I should say this is a good time to say um, I have a story about this record and Nick Mason. So I th it was probably God at this point. It was probably 15 years ago. Um, for those that don't know, Detroit has the Henry Ford Museum, which, of course, Ford Motors Company, all of that, Henry Ford. Um, they had a exhibit called uh, Rockstars, Cars, and Guitars, and it was all sorts of iconic instruments and cars that belong to artists. So they had, like, the first Nirvana tour van there. They had um, the Monkey Mobile. They had... Uh, um, trying to think what else it's been so long and then tons of great guitars like um uh, rick nielsen's explorer uh the checkerboard explorer um you know things like that and yeah. to promote this um they had uh, a press junket and nick mason was going to be there because they had his ferrari that was um 
made up like the wall it had the bricks on it and everything so he was going to come and do interviews and such and uh rachel actually uh tipped me off that because she had been invited at the time she worked for the free press and uh she had been invited to this thing and she couldn't go but she said hey just so you know nick mason's going to be at henry ford it's a private thing but you know maybe you can go over and meet him and uh me and gall mccartney who's i don't think here because he's doing some sort of work thing right now but uh because he's he's low iq and so didn't know what day it was right we normally are on wednesday he was here for four hours last night <laughs> i wonder where they are so uh so uh yeah, we went and uh, it was in the middle of the afternoon, like on a Tuesday, and uh, they were shutting down the event just to press people. And we were kind of hanging around and there was a security guard and uh, we went up and we said, hey, you know, we'd love to see the, the press conference and we'd love to meet the artist that's going to be here. And he said, well, I'm going to have to ask about that. You don't have a pass, blah, blah, blah. So he went over and spoke to his supervisor and I was like, oh, man, we're we're fucked. There's no Throw way this is going to out. Throw him out. And he came over, he came back because it was just me and Gall McCartney. There was no other people from the public there, which was a shock. They had kept it that under wraps. And he said, okay, so my boss says, as long as you don't sidestep the press or get in the way or anything, that you're welcome to, um, you know, watch the interview and all that. And he said, in terms of autographs, if the artist is okay with that, we're okay with it. But please let him do his job and we were like no problem you know so they brought him in and he posed with the car and took some photos and such and we watched him do a couple interviews with like motor trend magazine and all kinds of stuff and uh he saw us standing there while he was doing the interview and he got done and his his assistant or whatever was like all right you ready to go and he he said where where are those kids like in his British accent, where are those kids? Because at the time I was probably 18, like I had just turned 18. So that would have made Gall McCartney 19. And uh, he said, where are those kids, you know? And we're, we kind of sauntered over there, you know, and I had my Live at Pompeii DVD and I had Dark Side of the Moon. And I said, would you mind signing these? You know, and I told him I was a drummer as well. And he talked to us for probably 10 minutes and answered any question we had. You know, we I'm sure we were asking generic questions at the time. You know, we were losing our mind. But I have a USA first press of Dark Side of the Moon that in the gatefold, in the heartbeat, it says uh, to Nick, like to Nick, keep playing the drums your friend nick mason you're friends with nick i'm friends with nick mason yeah right but it was one of those moments like i I can still picture myself there because it was i mean it's fucking nick mason you know and and dark side of the moon so that just reminded me when i saw his drum kit that that even happened but super great gracious guy it was it was really cool the only the only thing I have uh, on that end, I think it was the fifteenth or twentieth anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon. I think it was fifteen, and they they did a retrospective in the local paper, and uh, they asked him, you know, Nick, what what would you change about the album? I was like, oh, I'd make the drums louder. Like, <laughs> yeah. all right, so that's part one, but there's yet another box. I see that with another prism. So it's box number two, and I. Man, there's a lot going on in here. Okay, I'm gonna put this box in the box. Yeah, I'm I'm building it in reverse order here. 
That's why I put the chair next to me. Yeah, so if you didn't okay. see, now we got the prism. We got the yeah. prism where you can uh, you can see it now. So the first thing underneath that are all the DVDs and Blu-rays and CDs. All of them. And you and I are excited about that. I know some people Very are not much. excited about that, but I'm Very I'm... excited about it. Now, this one's interesting because there are three different DVDs. There's a DVD with a 5.1 surround sound mix. There's the Blu-ray mix, and then there's the Atmos mix. So I guess they did three of them for people that may not have Blu-ray players. They can use the DVD player. For those that have 4K players that could do Atmos, they can do that. I have that. What I do as well. What Atmos is, is basically a 9.1.2, generally speaking, surround sound system. That means there's nine speakers, one subwoofer, and then, I'm sorry, nine speakers, well, two subwoofers, subwoofers, um, but it depends on how you're looking at it. So it could be a 7.1.2 where there's seven speakers, one sub, and two atmospheric speakers up firing speakers those are height speakers they're either behind you or they're high on the ceiling in front of you to give spatial uh uh, credence to to the fidelity and it's pretty awesome uh and if you set up your if you set up your system right you can get things coming out of every speaker and it just envelops you in sound that's why i'm really excited to hear this because when this was originally done in quad you know quadraphonic there was a quadraphonic mix there was a stereo mix which is included on the uh on the blu-ray it is included on the Blu-ray. So uh, getting all those different mixes is going to make for a different experience depending on which seat, which DVD that we play, which is kind of awesome. Now, you do need to have the technology to reproduce that, but a lot of people that are spending 300 bucks for this thing probably do. And yes. at most receivers have dropped in price dramatically over the past five years. So... Um, so anyway, and like Mark Garney says, he's got an Atmos TV, which is great. All you need to do is have the speaker system, whether it be a sound bar or something else that can reproduce those sounds. I literally have a 650 square foot apartment with all these speakers all over my living room. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> worth it, though. Like, I mean, you guys, everybody knows we're vinyl people through and through, but there is something very special about the Atmos mixes and even the regular 5.1 surround mixes. Um, what else is cool on these on these? disc is that if you look on one of the blu-rays and on the dvd there's an uncompressed stereo mix the original stereo mix so what you're going to get on that is the original record as you knew it loved it heard it with no noise no compression it's gonna it's gonna play almost like a master tape is the idea that's what it gets as close to it's obviously not the same fidelity but it's going to be pretty damn close so in this you're getting the remix a 5.1 surround mix the original stereo mix and the atmos mix between between all the discs it's yeah it's it's yeah so if you've got the technology you're stoked about this because when i first got atmos the first thing i said because the beatles have been putting stuff out in atmos for a few years i'm like the first thing i was like they need to do dark side of the moon Right, and then when this got announced, remember I e- I sent it to you immediately. Yep. And I go Atmos just in capitals, yep. like that's what that's what this whole thing is about. And Steph says, "What a cool box set." We're not even halfway through this thing. Not even close. <laughs> so on the other side, you have CDs. So you have, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, as we all know and love it. 
stereo mix, right? Jacket then, replicated though. It's replicated. Replicated. Like the... Yep. With the with the gatefold. All right. And then you have Dark Side of the Moon in its entirety live from Wembley Stadium. That is pretty awesome. Wem- not Wembley Stadium. Wembley Empire Pool. Oh, I'm is, sorry. Yes, which is you're the right. arena. My, there. My, my bad. Yeah, my bad. Uh, you know, you know, you got that one right, and I did not. <laughs> I'm sick. What do you want me to do? Um, and have you heard this recording, Mike? I have not. Okay, I have. So this, there's, there's a couple things to note about this. This, for a long time, was a was a pretty heavily traded bootleg in the mm-hmm. Pink Floyd circle because it was pro recorded, but. It it was not the sound quality that you hear now. This was included in the 40th anniversary uh, immersion set in 2011, but it's never been released on its own in a standalone fashion like it is now. So tomorrow you're getting you can get just the live show if you'd like on CD on LP or of course it's part of the box set as well. Which I give them a lot of credit for because the Beatles didn't do that. No, they did have not. not done that. You know, and this they is great not. that you can break out different things and buy the different things. You know, if you don't want to buy the whole box set, you can buy the parts that you want, which is cool. Yep, I want the whole thing because I'm Ex- an idiot. Except the Atmos, you can only the get Atmos, the Atmos. You can here. only get that in the box. Yes. So that's how they hooked guys like us. Because I was like, do I really need another version of Dark Side of the Moon? And yeah. then, uh, then I do. But yeah. what I want to say about this recording is it is outstanding, fantastic sound quality. I mean, it's 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 a fully produced live record of them in their heyday playing this record in its entirety and one thing i want to point out for sure when you're when you're listening to this because i'm sure you'll be able to stream the live show if you'd like there is a transition when they do great gig in the sky into money because they're playing it as a suite right where it's winding down in great gig in the sky and how roger waters starts directing the band into money with that lick it's Mm. just it's a really cool moment but you got to pay attention to hear how it happens don't miss it when you listen to it because it's, it's i can't describe it you'll know it when you hear it it's it's nice. it's awesome you got the next piece of this box set okay let me put my blu-ray disc down okay now ooh, what's this i like that they're in like i feel like i'm opening a christmas present because they're just oh, no, in this plain, is cool plain black envelopes check it out sweet it yeah that's pretty cool two repros of seven inch singles Money That's and us cool. and them, I believe. Yep. Money, us and them, and then, uh, well, money and any color you like is the B side, and us and them, and I think brain damage. I believe time. so. Time, no, yeah, time. okay. So that's like a double single. It's like a double A side. I love that they even replicated the original paper sleeves on these. The yeah, Harvest the, the paper company sleeves. sleeve. That's pretty cool. Packaging right. is done very, very well on this. this Every, is super everything impressive. is safe. Everything oh, is yeah. safe from rocking around. This is super impressive. Um, all right, this next one, if it's what I think it is, I'm actually pretty excited about it. Okay. Uh, let me just take a look. And Oh, no. it's Yeah, it is. So it's Pink Floyd, another book, but it's all the notation, all the yes. musical notation, so you could reproduce the album. Wow, this is sweet. That is pretty cool. It's not in tablature, so for guitar players that can't read, you're screwed. But and it doesn't have drum tablature, but it does have guitar, bass, and vocal. 
So actually, it looks like more like piano pretty much than anything else. You know um, what else I'm noticing? It has, um, if you look at the page that has money on it, mm -hmm. uh, page 52, it has what, what they're saying behind the solo. Yeah, the, the, the conversational stuff that you hear underneath. You know, you're cruising for a bruise and like all those kind of things. But it, it actually says exactly what that is, which is pretty cool. Did you know that Paul and Linda McCartney actually did that for the album and they cut it? I, well, Linda's the one that says that geezer's cruising for a bruise and that's Linda. It's not. It is. It's not. It is. It's not. Are you sure? It's not. It is. Stand by. No, you know what? It's not. But if you have the classic ah. albums, no, if you have the classic albums documentary, they play the Linda and Paul clips in that when yeah. Alan Parsons is working with the with the tapes. That's what I'm thinking. Of. And they felt that they were being too jokey about it. They probably so like, were. Eh. Yeah, they probably were. Now the so. next thing I have is this Pink Floyd at the Planetarium. I don't have that. Oh yeah, I do. It says EMI Records invites you to an evening with Pink Floyd at the London Planetarium with the address on February 27th, immediately prior to their 1973 tour of America. So this goes on to say, it, this was probably for industry people, but um, they basically played the record with the with the uh planetarium stuff going on and then essentially well essentially all this is is like their their press kit okay that's what that's what this and this is like if you look at it it says emi records 20 manchester square you could see that these were the things that were given to the press so <coughs> excuse me so it does like a little background a little bio on on pink floyd so it's cool because it's basically their press kit from that era that's sweet yeah I love stuff like that. Can we go to this? Can we go to Pink Floyd at the Planetarium? Can we? You know, uh, to celebrate the 50th anniversary, they are doing that. There's Planetariums playing the uh, yeah, the album, yep. which is pretty sweet. There's some cool stuff in here, too. All right. So I think you're next. So. Okay. Hang on. This stuff's Now, now get... we're getting to the gold stuff. This This has to get packed back properly before I flip it over. Hang on. Flip. Well, this is the last box, it looks like. So There's it's like three or four boxes in here. That's what I was just going to say. I think it's three boxes inside of one big box. Okay. So, again, another color of the prism there. Yep. This is gold. gold. Yep. Still cutting all the boxes. They really did an outstanding job with this. Yeah, this is, this is really super impressive. I, I got to be honest. Okay. There it is. The classic. And it's matte finish. The jacket is That's matte finish. Cool. Yeah. Um this is the album we all know and love. There we go. Heartbeat in the center there. And hang on. Yeah, here we go. Everything from the original package is replicated in here. The poster and the and the postcards and yeah. this is this is one of the greatest posters ever. Hang on. I'm going to open this because it deserves to be seen, and I hope okay. I don't fuck it up. Don't mess Look it up. Look at that. Yeah, that classic poster, which was actually in our intro as well. Awesome, with Roger Waters hitting the, hitting the gong while it's on fire. 
<laughs> Sweet. Um, and then this, I believe, is the pyramids, right? I, I think, think so. I would think. I think so. I don't need to open that one up. Everybody's yeah. seen that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the pyramids. And then... Hang on. I love that this jacket is matte finish. That's sweet. And it smells new. It does smell new. I was just going to say that. Yep. And the postcards are in there as well. There you go. And the here's what I was curious about, though. What label did they use? And they used the blue triangle. Harvest. Awesome. So for those that don't know, that is the that's the UK first press label that they went back to which we tried winning one of those a couple of weeks ago and I <laughs> we lost, lost. Yeah. so did i yeah so well, we both lost yes it's worth noting that in the dead wax it's cut it says 50th in the dead wax that's cool um so it's this is a remix james guthrie remixed this so i don't know if the lp the lp is the remixed album mm. right I think so. I believe so. It probably says it somewhere. I don't think it's the Bernie Grubman 2016 remaster. I think it's a full-on remix. So that, of course, brings up the question, is it analog? Is it not? Yeah. I would guess it's not. Yeah, probably not. Because I don't think they can run this master tape anymore. You know um, how many safeties of that they probably have to have? Yes. I, yeah. I can't imagine. This is, this is a record EMI probably. You, it's like one of those spinal tap moments of like... Yeah. Don't point. Don't even touch it. Don't look at it. Don't sniff it. No, that's enough looking at that one. And um, that's everything that's in there, actually. There's nothing else. So, But that's enough. <laughs> that's a lot. In this? Oh, well, uh, on top, well, besides the, uh, the, the album version of the Wembley uh, show as well. Well, let's show that. because. Well, you I did show it. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. I showed the regular album. I thought you no. Oh, I thought you showed that one too, and said there was posters in there too, which there are. No, I didn't. I didn't go through oh. this one. This is the live Wembley show, and it again replicates the lyrics from the record. And you're right, there is posters in here, but I don't know what these are. I'm not opening them yet. Not no. while we're on air. I'm going to do it when we're off air because I know if I try to do it with the microphone and everything else, it's just going to rip. Because I'm uh -oh. an idiot. I open one, and it's sweet. Uh -oh. I won't show it. Show it. Show you us. want me to show you? Okay. Yeah, show everybody. I love stuff like this. Hang on. Here we go. Can I show this? Yeah. I don't know who did this drawing. Oh, that's intense. It is. It looks like something out of the wall. Yeah, totally. Was Gerald Scarf around at the time? <laughs> uh, so, big surprise, you're right. It's signed at the bottom, Gerald Scarf. There you Pink. go. Pink Floyd, October 1974, and in the top right corner, it shows the uh, English tour, which, of course, this show comes from uh, at the uh, Empire Pool on, looks like, oh, they played that place four nights, November 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 1974. And for those that don't know who we're talking about, Gerald Scarf was the person who designed all the animation that was in the movie The Wall and the cover of that album and all those characters and everything else. So. Let's see what the label looks like on this. Okay, so you get a variation. Okay. But it's a Still white a harvest label. label, but it's, yep. uh, yeah. White label with the blue triangle. Nice. And uh, one thing I will say that 
all the uh, Pink Floyd reissues that they did in 2016 and that they've done since, and I'm sure these are no different. Um, always quiet vinyl, clean. You never, there's no, there's no, uh, I shouldn't say there's no pressing defects, but I mean, they seem to go out of their way to make sure that the, uh, the LPs that are going out to people are, are in great shape. So And make sure that you do clean it before you put it on your stereo. Yes. Before you put it on your turntable, just like we always say. Yes. So There's always some residue that's left. I What I'd like to know that, and I'm sure maybe it's addressed in the book, but is if this was originally intended to be released as a live record at the time. Probably was. I think so because you can tell it's it's definitely multi-tracked. I mean, yeah. it's it sounds brilliant. So uh, I'm thinking so, and I don't know why it never came out. But do they um, play rock and roll all night? <laughs> yeah, they do actually, <laughs> and uh, they overdub the crowd too. Oh, good. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and if you again, if you look at the details on this, it's the it's their notes for the Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, album cover there's like little things that say uh cover to look like cover to look like uh it's british work yeah except for colors and order of colors all black to print all black on board and small overlay to look as near possible like rough the bottom line is y'all need to buy this thing and buy it from nick when you do because this is pretty killer how many did you get not many. We we didn't get as many as we ordered. So I think we ordered. Uh, Scotty would know, of course. I think we ordered ten, and I think we got six. And then you got one, and I have one. So that's so four. Four left. Yes. And our uh, another mutual friend of ours. Mister rhymes with Mob Tyrell. Yes, he already messaged me, bro. Bro, can I get one of those? I don't know. Bro, did you guys get that Pink Floyd in, bro? I actually went into a store last week, and I said, hey, are you guys getting this in? And they're like, no, we didn't order it. I'm like, what? Like, you wouldn't even order one, like, to have? Well, here's, let me, let me, before I get get too crazy on my soapbox here, part of the issue for for independent stores like mine or maybe the store you're, you're talking about, this is a very pricey item. Tag price on this list price is three twenty. Nobody's selling it at three twenty. The tag price everywhere I've seen has been two ninety nine. Okay, it's it's not cheap, but I think you get your money's worth. It's presented very well. I'm sure it sounds great. I agree. So that's why for us, we're trying to make an event out of it. A lot of times these sets come out. The Nirvana Nevermind set is a perfect example. Okay, that kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And people were really excited about it. And it came out on CD and then it was like eight months and then the LPs hit. Okay, the list price on that Nirvana set was $260, $259.99. The day it came out, Amazon lowered their price to $210. That's damn near what these things cost us. Like, if that thing's 260 it probably costs us 210 Plus, we have to pay shipping from the supplier and stuff. I'm not looking for a handout. I'm just trying to explain why sometimes now you go in stores and they don't have stuff like this because you don't know what the gamble is. Yeah. 
something like this, it may not get discounted because they don't need to. This is going to sell, and it's going to sell to fans and people who are curious and every all, all of that. But yeah. something even like that Nirvana set that, that fans were stoked about that I know stores like even like mine and other stores around my area were very happy to order and we're excited to bring out and just have our legs cut off because amazon wants to eat up every sale possible so uh, you know it's starting to get risky scotty and myself that uh, those that don't know scotty hagan who runs our vinyl department we him and i we probably had an hour conversation about this about how many do we really want because you don't want to get stuck with any if they cut the price by a third because you'll never get rid of them and uh, that's a shame. That's why I always say don't buy uh, records where you buy scotch tape. That's, I agree. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the unboxing of the 50th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon. If you have any comments, put them in the feed because I think this thing was pretty darn badass. Um, and considering the fact that I feel like absolute dog poo, uh, I'd like to get our next two segments going and then we'll call it a day and have the shortest show we've ever done. So here's, but before you go any further, aren't you happy you had it overnighted? Because now while you're at home feeling like shit, you can listen to it. This is true. This is the way. <laughs> Very Mandalorian. You yeah. got to, you got to look at the bright side. Exactly. Funny story. Bright side. I, it made me think of Monty Python. Always look on the bright side of life. Pink Floyd with the proceeds from this album helped finance Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, well then in that case, I wish I wouldn't have bought it. Oh, stop. Stop. It's a funny movie, and I don't care who you are. Um, all right, so we're going to get to our last two segments here. One is called Discovered, and the other is the famous This Song Sucks. Now, I went with Pink Floyd theme uh, for both of mine. Um, and Nick, I don't know if you went Pink Floyd theme for both of them. Uh, Patrick is totally on the Mandalorian train with This Is The Way. Yes, exactly. Um <laughs> And uh, so do you want to do Discovered first? Or do you want yeah. me to do it? No, you go first. You go first. Okay. I usually so I brought, go first. I brought this one up before. Um, and again, both of my picks are Pink Floyd themed because not all of them are zingers. And I'm not a huge Pink Floyd fan, but I do like certain things about Pink Floyd. Um, so band that I love, I brought it up before, Wrathchild America. They did a killer cover of Time. And I know it's already on the list, but I don't care. This is Pink Floyd themed. And I don't have a playlist for it. So uh, so <laughs> they do on their Climbing the Walls album from 1989, I believe. They do, a, or 1990, they do a really killer cover of Time. And it's just, they stick true to it, but it's just heavier. Um, and the solo is dead on, and, and it sounds really, really good. They, they captured the, the ambiance of the solo with the swirling solo and everything, and they did a really, really good job with it. So that's, that's my pick for Discovered This Week is Time by Wrathchild America. Awesome. Uh, I also, of course, went Pink Floyd-themed, and my pick is David Bowie doing C. Emily Play on his 1973 covers record, Pinups. There's also a great cover of uh, It's Hard to Be a Saint in the City by Springsteen on there when nobody knew who he was. But uh, uh, There's no great Springsteen song. So. Here we go. Here we go. Don't start. I should be in the pit at Springsteen right now, by the way. Moshing? Yeah. Yeah, throwing down to the Toxic Waltz by the E Street Band. Um, yeah. 
No, but the uh, the Bowie uh, version is really cool. Uh, that's, of course, from the Sid Barrett era of Pink Floyd, which I know there's some people that are like, that's the only era they like. They don't like yeah. all the spacey stuff. And I kind of like that era. Like, I think Piper at the Gates of Dawn is cool, but I don't think it's, like, brilliant or anything. I don't really understand the Sid hype. I think what his experience of life that brought the influence of this record and Wish You Were Here and stuff is better than the musical output. That's my personal opinion. But uh, this is a, it's a great version of it, pretty true to the original, like you stated. And, uh, yeah, love it. David Bowie. Great. We've hit the one-hour mark, and that means it is time for this. Hi there. My name is Unimportant. (laughs) Had to squeeze that in. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) All right, so for... This song sucks. It's a great band, but a shitty song. That's how we go about talking about it. So, Nick, what did you pick for This Song Sucks this week? So I had a hard time with this because I wanted to pick a Pink Floyd thing just just to be in the theme. And I still keep going back and forth on it because I've come around to this song now. But uh, for a long time, I thought Learning to Fly was awful. by pink floyd the the song from momentary lapse the reason it was like their big return hit of course without roger waters is when david gilmore was leading the band um the remixed version of that record from a couple years ago sort of made me appreciate it a little bit more i still think it's their worst record but it made me go oh this isn't as bad as i remember it they kind of got rid of the dated 1987 production and uh i don't know i hated david gilmore's uh vocal delivery on that it's just it's very phoned in i feel like and uh it's not it's just not it's just not prime pink floyd you could i'll put it to you this way you can definitely tell that roger waters isn't present well yeah so but there's there's something to that um for me i went with one that's sort of an obscure track that I've heard multiple times. And at first I thought it was cool when I was in high school. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. And now it's just like, what the fuck is this? And that is one of the longest song titles of all time. Several species of small furry <laughs> animals gathered in a cave grooving with a pick. You're right. I should have picked something from Omagama, which yeah, is what like, you did. <laughs> it is so just annoying. And it just sounds like a whole bunch of chipmunks and prairie dogs. I don't know how high they could have been when they made this, but it was extraordinarily high. It's not a they. It's a him. Oh, that's a Roger Waters thing. Yeah, You're right. Just Be- him. It is, because if you don't know, the second record in Amagama, each, what, there's half a side or is it a side each? No, it's half a side. Half a side. Dedicated to each member. Got yeah. to do whatever they wanted. And honestly, the only really good one is the Nick Mason one, which is basically yeah. just a drum solo. So think <laughs> about that. That's the best of the four. Yeah, that that song, I, I hate to call it a song. It's not. It's not. It's just noise, and then he starts talking with like a gigantic Irish brogue, and it sounds like he's singing Gaelic, but he's not. It's English, uh, and it's just terrible. And why is this taking up room on an album? <laughs> I mean, Umagama didn't need to be two albums. Yeah, because the live disc is great. I, I love the live album. The out The live disc of the two LP set is cool, and then... That, yeah, that studio experimental, I don't know what the hell that's all about. 
Mark, are you talking about I'm a gummer or are you talking about momentary laughs of reason? And I want to say something to Pat here. Megadeth's cover of Cold Sweat I thought was an insult to Phil Lynott. Oh, my God. Y'all going to fight about this? Yeah, well, it, I, I just Phil Lynott's one of those guys where it's like you shouldn't be, I don't know. People don't, nobody can do a Thin Lizzy song good, I feel like, it, my what? band included. Didn't, didn't Faith No More do the Cowboy song? I don't know, did they? I know the I Super think... Suckers did, and they did a great job on that. Yeah. Actually, that's the best Thin Lizzy cover I've heard. But, Pretty uh, sure they did, and it sounds really good. Well, it's got to sound better than Megadeth's cover of Cold Sweat. Sorry, well, sure Pat, I'm not trying to fight with you, but I did not think that was good. And We're I saw him do it Patrick live. In the corner, though. No, I saw Megadeth do that live, and when they went into it, I was like, oh, cool, Cold Sweat. And then when they were done, I was like, thank God that's over. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, is there anything else that you would like to ask us while we're here? Because this is an hour and four minutes and definitely by far the shortest show we've ever done. In fact, it's less than half the length of the last one we did. Mike yeah. must really feel bad. I feel like crap. I really do. Like, I need to take my temperature again. I have to go to the urgent care clinic in the morning. I feel terrible. I mean, listen to me. Like, I can't, I can't even insult you. I've been nice to you. I know. That's really saying something. You know. And, For those and, that don't know. Yeah, it's it's really really hard to kind of keep this up. But um, uh, next week we are not on, or are we on? We are not on. Not We're on not Wednesday. On. Not on Wednesday because somebody's going to go play with his friend Bruce. The next two Wednesdays, for that matter. Yeah, well that's fine. We'll figure it out. You're we gone the up. following one though, right? Uh, well, Nam. No, I meant the the week of the fifth. But yeah, you're no. right. The following week is is no, Nam. No, I'm I'm here the fifth, but the week afterwards is Nam. So, well, Mark Garney, uh, he's right. You know, there was not one gene impression. Here we go. You know, Mike, when they called Doctor Love, I can get you a prescription for what it is that might be ailing you. Would you like a blonde or a redhead or a brunette? Look it up on kissonline.com. Get the kiss condoms. You kiss cold medicine. Kiss cold medicine with a K. And <laughs> Did you hear Craig Gass on Howard Stern <laughs> two days ago talking about Gary Rossington passing away? No. Oh, my God. Real quick, Howard's like, oh, we have Gene Simmons on the, on, on the line here. He wants to talk about Gary Rossington. He goes... You know, Howard, you know, if for those that don't know, Craig Gass does the best Gene Simmons. O only the only guy that tops Mike, but he does the best Gene Simmons because he says all the sales pitches and everything. And he goes, you know, Howard, I felt so bad for Leonard Skinner when I heard of the passing of Gary Rossington because they missed a huge opportunity. They could have done a pay-per-view funeral for Gary Rossington. They could have played Freebird. It would have been a great experience for everybody. But you can find us at kissonline.com. He just went right into the kiss pitch after That's dropping so that. Good. That's so good. Well, look, there's another thing, too. So Bruce Springsteen is playing here in San Diego on December 2nd, but it's also the same day as the very last Kiss show in New York. So... You're going to have to choose which one you're actually oh, going to go no. to. Oh, no. Right? Oh, no. Well, since I have plans to see Bruce uh, like seven or eight times this year, I'll probably have to pick the Kiss show. Yeah, you're going to pay about $8,000 for one of those tickets in New York. Yeah. Don't you know somebody? Can't you get me in? No. <laughs> no. I know people. They won't get you in. That's They'll get sure. you in, though? 
And then uh, another thing about Howard Stern, I've been listening to Howard Stern for going on almost 40 years now, right? Over 40 years, I think. I got really, no, 30 whatever years. Anyway, I got annoyed with him this week because he was talking about how, like, doctors shouldn't have tattoos. You should dress for the part. If my doctor has a tattoo, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Like, dude, go fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck yourself. You're the reason why people... Uh, why that myth is perpetuated that people with tattoos are somehow less than or somehow uh, not as intelligent. Now, I don't know. Which how is many... funny because he has tattoos. He does. But he says, well, you know, I'm a radio DJ. If I'm if I'm seeing a doctor, then you know, I don't want my surgeon to have like sleeves and this and that. I'm like, what's the difference? Right. What's the difference? Did he take care of you? That's all that matters, you know? And that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't really get on a soapbox about anything, but that kind of pissed me off a bit. And I lost a bit of respect for Howard on that one. I think Howard's turning into a he's turning into a grumpy old man. Oh, he's been a grumpy old man for the past five years, but that was the first time I heard him take a stand on something I disagreed with. Uh-huh. And look, they all, again, they all can't be zingers, but that one... That's the stand you're going to take? That's that's the hill you want to die on? Is that one? I don't know about that. I, maybe, I think that's... Maybe now they're going to pull a clip from this show and Howard's going to yell about us. That's that fine. Be Have awesome. me on the show and I'll yell back at Howard. <laughs> that would be so good. What are yeah. these guys... What, how many people watch their show? Like 10? Yeah, right. <laughs> we had as many as 11 today. Right now we have six. So. There we go. But anyway, what do you I got on that, to, Stern? Yeah, I, I just wanted to. Yeah, I mean, look, I just I needed to say it. So anyway. no, you're right. No, you're right. That's a, that that is uh, something worth noting. Anyway, we're done. Uh, we may or may not be on next week. Make sure that you go out and you buy. Well, you have it holding it. Uh, make sure you go out and buy the box set, Dark Side of the Moon, or some of its components from Nick. Uh, Nick, what store are you on? Rock City Music Company. And where are you located? Five Mile in Farmington in Livonia, Michigan. And where can we find you? RockCityMusicCo.com. And for anybody that wants that set or the pieces of it, we will ship it right to your door if you're not local to us. And I can tell you this much, Scotty packaged the hell out of this thing. And to the point where, like, I had it on a chair and Roger knocked it over before I opened it out of the cardboard. Not a ding, nothing. So There you go. You know, thank you, Scotty, for that one. I appreciate it. And thank you, Nick. Much appreciated. Yes. Thank you all for watching. Make sure you like, subscribe. We're at 78 subscribers now. We're almost in triple digits. So uh, thank you all. Appreciate it. We love you all. And uh, have a wonderful and fulfilling evening. And I hope I'm no longer sick. Punching fist. <laughs>